Welcome to uh, Lesson 3 from the Future of Content podcast. My name is David Dylan Thomas, and this episode appears out of order because I screwed up and I completely missed <laughs> Lesson 3 when I was chopping up the larger uh, lecture this comes from. So we're doing this a little out of order. Uh, so Lesson 4 uh, or was already posted, and I'm going to rename it Lesson 4, so clarifying ish all of that um but this is actually lesson three this is what actually comes after lesson two and i kind of put the end of lesson two on here just to make that connective tissue but basically this episode is about um how we can start to think about a creative middle class right that if you want to be in the creative economy you don't have to be a superstar to do it or, or a struggling artist there's actually a potential middle ground there now that you know wasn't there before wasn't there as much before so that's what this episode is about and uh one more point of clarification i talk a little bit at the top about joe gordon levitt and he created this fantastic um collaborative art effort uh called uh hit record joe or just called hit record now and uh the details about it are in lesson two but uh, basically the idea is that this thing that he's created isn't going to make him uh, a multi-billionaire or anything but it is sustainable so that's a little context for that and without further ado let's jump right into lesson three the real lesson three and this brings us to our next lesson which is that we're going to redefine success and we're going to do it over and over again so Joe Gordon-Levitt, when asked about, you know, why are you doing this, <laughs> says, if I wanted to maximize dollars, this is not what I'd be doing with my time, right? Yes, hit record is profitable, but it is not by the Lakers profitable, right? It is not that level, right? It is sustainable, right? He still gets to make the next thing that he wants to make, which if you ask most artists, that's kind of what they're looking for. Now, this notion of not simply pursuing profit um, I blame Wall Street. So here's my theory. When we uh, made uh, Developing Philly, which was basically a web series about the rise of the Philly tech community, sort of like, you know, the first, you know, bust boom in 1999 and then sort of through, th through 2000 and then in 2008 it kind of resurges. And all this entrepreneurial activity starts to go on around 2008, which is a weird time for that because it's when everyone lost their jobs. Except it's not. What we found as we talked to people was that when faced with, okay, I don't have work now, I kind of have two options. I can either pursue cash, try to get another job, right, which is going to be really hard right now because unemployment is above 8%, or I could try to start my own company. And it, the odds on that are really long as well, but at least if I win that gamble, I get to be my own boss. I get to decide my own future. I get to do the thing that I actually care about. So if you have a generation growing up seeing where the pursuit of profit gets you, a big giant economic bust that everyone gets ruined by, you start to think, oh, well, why don't I just actually try to do something I care about since being profitable is going to be hard and not going to get me anything anyway. Um, and that, interestingly enough, something in particularly Philly flavor, but I've seen it other places. So you learn eventually to not trust money. So what this leads to then is, if we say, okay, means of production are really low now, right? Cost of means of production are really low. I can film a movie pretty cheaply. I can make art pretty cheaply. What is it that actually costs? It's the cost of living. And being able to afford enough to keep living, to send my kids to college, to you know, have a comfortable existence is a basically a middle class existence. But it's not one that's generally been in the reach of the creative class. Generally speaking, if you wanted to be an actor, if you wanted to be a film director, you had to either be way up here, right, 
You had to be Harrison Ford or you had to be waiting tables, right? There was no middle ground. There was no way to just make enough money to live comfortably and still be doing something that creative. Except now maybe there is, right? If you have that 10,000 fans, you get to a point where it's at least plausible that I could be making enough to you know, have an okay house, live in a decent, decent school district and do what I wanna do and make the next thing. Part of making that happen though is letting go of the idea of making money, strictly speaking, off of the content itself. So that is all for lesson three. Um, you'll want to go back now to lesson four. Like I said, it's been posted already. Sorry for the confusion. Uh, lesson four, uh, like I said, sort of toward the end there is about uh, making money off of things other than the content itself. So there's all these different ways that we uh, try to do that now. Um, so that is in lesson four, which you'll go back to since it's already been posted. And then next week I'll post lesson five, um, which then I guess you can jump ahead to. So sorry for the confusion, but uh, there it is uh, for the Future of Content podcast. I'm your host, David Dolan-Thomas, and we will see you next time.